हेलो वेलकम टू द सेल्फ लर्निंग पॉडकास्ट बाय डॉक्टर सुषमा सिंह लेटर स्टार्ट डिस्कशन ऑन चैप्टर फाइव पैटर्न्स ऑफ सोशल इनइलिटी एंड एक्सक्लूजन द फैमिली कास्ट ट्राइब एंड द मार्केट दीज आर द सोशल इंस्टीट्यूशंस दैट हैव बीन कंसीडर्ड इन द लास्ट टू चैप्टर्स इन चैप्टर थ्री एंड फोर these institutions were seen from the point of view of their role in forming communities and sustaining society in this chapter we consider an equally important aspect of such institutions namely their role in creating and sustaining patterns of inequality and exclusion for most of us who are born and live in india social inequality and exclusion are facts of life we see beggars in the streets and on railway platforms we see young children laboring as domestic workers construction helpers cleaners and helpers in street side restaurant dhaba and tea shops we are not surprised at the sight of small children who work as domestic workers in middle class urban homes carrying the school bags of older children to school it does not immediately strike us as unjust that some children are denied schooling some of us read about the caste discrimination against children in schools some of us face it likewise news reports about violence against women and prejudice against minority groups and the differently abled are part of our everyday lives this everydayness of social inequality and exclusion often make them appear inevitable almost natural if we do some times recognize that inequality and exclusion are not inevitable we often think of them as being deserved or justified in some sense perhaps the poor and marginalized are where they are because they are lacking in ability or have not tried hard enough to improve their situations we then tend to blame them for their own plight if only they worked harder or were no more intelligent they would not be where they are a close examination will show that few work harder than those who are located at the look lower ranks of society as a south american proverb says if hard labor were really such a good thing the rich would keep it all for themselves all over the world back breaking work like stone breaking digging carrying heavy weights pulling rickshaws or carts is invariably done by the poor and yet 
they really improve their life chances. How often do we come across a poor construction worker who rises to become even a petty construction contractor? It is only in films that a street child may become an industrialist, but even in films it is often shown that such a dramatic rise requires illegal or unscrupulous methods. Now let us move to the next point what is social about social inequality and exclusion. The question being asked in this section has three broad answers which may be stated briefly as follows. First, social inequality and exclusion are social because they are not about individuals but about groups. Second, they are social in the sense that they are not economic although they are usually a strong link between social and economic inequality. Third, they are systematic and structured. There is a defined pattern of social inequality. These three broad senses of the social will be explored briefly. The first one is social inequality. In every society, some people have a greater share of valued resources, money, property, education, health and power than others. These social resources can be divided into three forms of capital. Economic capital in the form of material assets and income. Cultural capital such as educational qualification and status and social capital in the form of networks of contact and social associations. Often these three forms of capital overlap and one can be converted into the other. For example, a person from a well-off family, economic capital can afford expensive higher education and so can acquire cultural or educational capital. Someone with influential relatives and friends, social capital may through access to good advice, recommendations or information manage to get a well-paid job. Patterns of unequal access to social resources are commonly called social inequality. Some social inequality reflects innate differences between individuals, for example, their varying abilities and efforts. Someone may be endowed with exceptional intelligence or talent, or may have worked very hard to achieve their wealth and status. However, by and large, social inequality is not the outcome of innate or natural differences between people, but is produced by the society in which they live. Sociologists use the term social stratification 
to refer to a system by which categories of people in a society are ranked in a hierarchy. This hierarchy then shapes people's identity and experiences, their relations with others as well as their access to resources and opportunities. Three key principles help explain social stratification. The first one is social stratification is a characteristic of society, not simply a function of individual differences. Social stratification is a society-wide system that unequally distributes social resources among categories of people. In the most technologically primitive societies, a hunting and gathering societies, for instance, little was produced so only rudimentary social stratification could exist. In more technologically advanced societies where people produce a surplus over and above their basic needs, however, social resources are unequally distributed to various social categories regardless of people's innate individual abilities. The second is social stratification persists over generations. It is closely linked to the family and to the inheritance of social resources from one generation to the next. A person's social position is ascribed, that is, children assume the social positions of their parents. Within the caste system, birth dictates occupational opportunities. A Dalit is likely to be confined to traditional occupations such as agricultural labor. Squanizing or leather work with little chance of being able to get high-paid high white-collar or professional work. The ascribed aspect of social inequality is reinforced by the practice of endogamy, that is, marriage is usually restricted to members of the same caste, ruling out the potential for blurring caste lines through intermarries. The third one is social stratification is supported by patterns of belief and ideology. No system of social stratification is likely to persist over generations unless it is widely viewed as being either fair or inevitable. The caste system, for example, is justified in terms of the opposition of purity and pollution, with the Brahmins designated as the most superior and Dalits as the most inferior by virtue of their birth and occupation. Not everyone, though, thinks of a system of inequality as legitimate. Typically, people with greatest social privileges express the strongest support for systems of stratification 
such as caste and race. Those who have experienced the exploitation and humiliation of being at the bottom of the hierarchy are most likely to challenge it. Often we discuss social exclusion and discrimination as though they pertain to differential economic resources alone. This however is only partially true. People often face discrimination and exclusion because of their gender, religion, ethnicity, language, caste and disability. Thus, women from a privileged background may face sexual harassment in public places. A middle class professional from a minority religious or ethnic group may find it difficult to get accommodation in a middle class colony, even in a metropolitan city. People often harbor prejudices about other social groups. Each of us grows up as a member of a community from which we acquire ideas not just about our community, our caste or class, our gender, but also about others. Often these ideas reflect prejudices. We will discuss prejudices in our next session. Now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.